Purchase a Ford FanZone all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as $37 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford FanZone all-you-can-eat ticket now. We're joined now by Andy Bailey. Covers the Utah Jazz and NBA for Forbes.com and Bleacher Report. Andy, good morning. Morning. How are you guys? We're good. There are many questions involving the Jazz, but I think the first one to get out of the way is, are they really this good? Forget October and November and that first week in December. What they've done since mid-December on, is that the real Jazz? Is it going to continue? So I think... Maybe it's somewhere in the middle. I, I think the concerns about the schedule softening up before they went on this run are probably fair. Um, you know, they've beaten up, beaten up on a lot of sub-500 teams. Uh, their record against 500-plus teams is still below uh, 500. But I, I do think they're clearly a better team than what we saw at the start of the season. Um, th- this is more like what I expected uh, coming into the year. It'll be interesting to see how they go through another little development phase that I think is coming. The, the schedule is going to get harder and Mike Conley is back, so maybe there's an adjustment period. How do we reintegrate him into what we've been doing uh, over the last couple of months? But the way the ball is moving, um, the way Joe Ingles has played recently, uh, just the, the the offense being better generally, is it just looks a lot more like what I expected. So they're probably in terms of like where they're going to end up in the West, um, I think this is about where they should be. There, there was always going to be a huge mix of good teams in the middle of the Western Conference, and and they were always going to be a part of it. So you touched on a couple of the reasons. If you had to narrow down one, is it Joe in the starting lineup and then the ball moving, or is it something else? I think Joe in the starting lineup is huge, um, and I you know I don't think there's a lot of reason for sports journalist to question Quinn Snyder. I, you know, he's clearly one of the better coaches in the NBA. Um, just thinks, of, thinks about the game on a very complex level. But when I heard that it was going to be Royce O'Neal um, starting in place of Ingles at the start of the season, I was a little bit confused. Um, I, I understood the logic behind it. You want Ingles on the bench unit to kind of, you know, pilot those reserves. Um, but expecting him to carry a backup, a group of backup guys. It just didn't really seem like his thing. He's always been more of a low usage playoff of stars type of a player. And the diff- his, his splits between when he's a reserve and when he's a starter, the, the difference is staggering. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they approach that issue going forward because they have, they have six NBA starters. Um, that's, that's just the fact at this point. It's hard to demote Royce O'Neal because he's been phenomenal as a starter too. Um, bringing Mike Conley off the bench is, is weird for obvious reasons. He makes a ton of money. He's, he's the highest paid player on the team. He's a 12-year veteran. They just traded three players and picks to get him. Um, so it's going to be a hard thing to navigate. I think the easy out is probably bringing O'Neal off the bench. Um, and just having a ton of playmaking out there with Ingles, Mitchell, Conley, Bogdanovich. Um, but <laughs> I guess I've kind of rambled away from your original question. I do think Joe Ingles is a huge part of it, and I think just getting used to each other. Um, there, there's a lot more turnover on the Jazz roster-wise than I think a lot of people realize. Um, Ingles on Zach Lowe's podcast recently said something like he and Gobert, I, I think, are the only two left from when he yeah, first started are. on the Jazz. It was so excellent, it, it and they got rid of him. time to get used to it. 
Yeah, for sure. So uh, I think that with the Conley thing, if I were in charge, and I'm sure there's millions of people who are happy that I'm not, but if I were, <laughs> if I were, I think I'd slow play Conley back to the starting lineup. My goal would be to put him back in the starting lineup and to, and to sit Royce O'Neal. But I think I wouldn't do it. I would slow play it until I saw the team hit a rough patch. And I would use that change maybe to jumpstart things. Maybe it would you know, legitimately be an upgrade that would make it easier to win. Maybe just the psychology of it would be a positive. But I don't think I'd make the move while they're just on this hot streak just tearing off wins. I don't think I'd mess with that chemistry. And I think Mike is plenty savvy enough to figure out what's going on without even being told. Although as a coach, I would probably sit down and tell him anyway. But I think he'd know the words that were coming out of my mouth before they were coming out of my mouth. Would you handle it like that? I, I think that's a very convincing case you just laid out there. That makes a ton of sense to me. Um, and I kind of, when when it became clear that they were going to bring him off the bench for that first game that he came back, I kind of thought it would be interesting to see how long they do this. Um, and I, I think the reasons, even though you're not in charge of the Jazz, I, I think there could be a lot of what you just said actually happening um, behind the scenes. I don't think they want to break up what's been going on. They're, they're clearly playing extremely well right now. And then the, the, the obvious difference between Mike Conley and Joe Ingles, um, Mike Conley has led groups of, you know, four, three or four guys that aren't quite on his level. Um, he, he was the lone star in Memphis right after Mark Gasol left, obviously. He's, he's had the experience of carrying, um, I don't want to say subpar lineups, but, but maybe lineups where he just had to do a lot of heavy lifting. And so I don't think that'll be, that'll feel foreign to him. I mean, coming off the bench is kind of a foreign concept for Mike Conley, but but kind of lifting the offensive load is not. And so I think if they slow play it and they continue to kind of do what they've been doing, I, I think he'll be very comfortable there. And then one, one thing I haven't thought of that you just brought up I think is really smart is maybe you wait until they hit a bump in the road or a hiccup or whatever we want to call it. Then you plug him back in there, get some juice in the lineup, get some juice back in the fans. Um, I, I think that's a really smart way to approach this. So you speak of this is probably where they're supposed to be, and that's pretty good, but everybody wants more. We want the ultimate prize. How much do you think or how far do you think that is away in terms of the ultimate prize, assuming that you think that the Lakers and Clippers are better? I think they could win the title this season, um, if I'm being honest. This is, this, the season generally is playing out about how I expected coming in. I thought there's probably seven or eight teams you could make a reasonable argument, could win it all, and I still think that's the case. Um, the Lakers and the Clippers may be ahead of them in the standings right now, but I, I don't mind those matchups in the playoffs. I think Utah is very well equipped to take on anyone in the playoffs. They have the best defensive player, um, not just in the NBA right now, but I, he's to me, Rudy Gobert is entering all-time great defensive level. Um, and, and this comparison has been made a few times. I've, I've done it myself. Uh, but the Detroit Pistons won a title built around a defensive anchor in Ben Wallace. And I think Rudy Gobert is a bigger and much, much, much better offensively, um, much better offensive version of Ben Wallace. And they've surrounded him with just the perfect complementary pieces. Um the shooting surrounding him when you've got Mitchell and Bogdanovich and Ingles out there, uh, even Royce O'Neal, obviously, he's a 40-plus percent three-point shooter. The, what, what he does is a rim roller. Um, you know, everybody says you need, you need a couple stars to win a title, and I think Utah's already there. Uh, Rudy Gobert, to me, is a top-ten impact guy, regardless of what 
other you know fan bases and writers around the league will say he's clearly there. And I think Donovan Mitchell's probably top 20 to top 25. So I think they've got the two-star model already checked off, whether people realize it or not. And I think, you know, I'm not saying they will win the title this season, certainly. There's just there's so many good teams in the NBA right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. I think they're very much in that group of teams. So one thing the, uh, the Jazz have going for them is the bench, which I think – we know the bench was bad early. I think the bench early in the season had the problem that the whole team had last year. They couldn't make shots. They couldn't spread the floor. I think Joe's bad start was that when Joe drove into the paint, there were three or four bodies there, and he couldn't score. He couldn't hit threes because they never left him because they didn't respect the other guys. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get any assists because when he threw it to other guys, he missed the shots. And I think there's a little bit of that with Conley. Plus, I also think that Conley was learning the new system, and he was putting pressure on himself. And I think him sitting out, he figures all that out. But I think missed in all of this, the bench has been outrageously good. And I, if they continue that, how important do you think that'll be in the playoffs? Because benches get shortened in the playoffs usually. Stars play more. You don't have back-to-backs very often, if at all. And longer TV timeouts, guys can play bigger minutes. You know, Le- LeBron and Kawhi just aren't coming off the floor that, that long for, you know, for that that much time so this bench is an awesome advantage right now just as it was a huge detriment early in the year but is it going to be minimized in the playoffs yeah i think teams that are built on depth generally do a little bit better in the regular season than the playoffs and that's been kind of utah's mo for a few years they've always been one of the deeper teams in the league so it's kind of weird to see the bench um struggling the way it did at the start of the season uh, but as i mentioned earlier uh utah's got six starters and so if they shorten their rotation to seven or eight guys in the playoffs I, I, I again I still think they're going to be really really good um, if your bench is suddenly just Clarkson um, George Niang Royce O'Neal I, I think you can survive one concern obviously I think would be backup five but you only need you know 10-12 minutes of that uh, and, and if you don't just completely fall off a cliff while Tony Bradley's out there or whoever it may be I think you'll be okay. Um, the other thing about the way this team is built that kind of bore out throughout the season, even when they were playing rough, is the starting five is really good. Um, when Mike Conley went down, I can't remember the exact numbers now and I won't be able to look them up, but I think Utah's starting five, the one with Conley uh, and O'Neal, was number two in plus minus, just total plus minus over the course of the season. So it was very obvious that it was the bench that was – causing the problem and obviously your starting five is going to be really really important when the playoffs starts and so I think the bench uh, sort of rebounding has been huge and I think it's a big part of this turnaround but the strength of this team is always going to be at the top um, again I, I think they have a legit two stars I think Boyan Bogdanovich is he, he's just been phenomenal this season I wouldn't I, I might even call him a star the way that he's played this season so there's a ton of talent on this team it's interesting that it just took a couple of little you know quirks or tweaks to get the bench back on track. I was real surprised by the Jeff Green release, but it's it's made a big difference. And the Dante Exum trade has really helped. Obviously, Clarkson's been a nice spark. Um, they didn't have to do anything drastic. They just made these little moves on the fringes and, and really uh, beefed up the team for sure. So Houston slump for real or just that, a slump? I would probably say just a slump. I, I still would have them in the group of teams that I could see winning it all, but... This again. This is another thing that's kind of playing out the way a lot of people expected. 
Um, one of the huge advantages of having Chris Paul on that team for Houston was that you, you couldn't double-team James Harden the way teams are now uh, because that guy can actually shoot. I mean, the degree to which defenses have ignored Westbrook this season has been kind of alarming. And he's on a nice little you know run himself recently, so maybe maybe he's going to force teams to rethink that strategy a little bit. But James Harden looks worn down. Um the the clash in terms of you know these are these are two guys that both need the ball a ton I think that's coming to fruition a little bit um, and it's just it's kind of hard to as a player I think find you know rhythm and chemistry when you just have to sit around and watch those other two guys do their thing and and you might catch the ball in the corner and have to fling it up for a three with you know five seconds left on the shot clock it's just a lot easier when the ball's zipping around. Um, everybody touches it, everybody gets a chance to shoot, kind of how the 2014 Spurs played or, or some of those Warriors teams or how the Jazz have played under Quinn Snyder. I think that just kind of lifts everybody. Um, but having said all that, they still have a guy who's just unreal offensively. The fact that he can put up the numbers he does with the attention that he does and James Harden is just ridiculous. Um, that he's wearing down a little bit already probably doesn't bode well for the playoffs. But I, I think I would still have them in that group, maybe maybe on the bubble, but they're, they, they at least have one foot in there. Jazz are going to host the Dallas Mavericks on Saturday, and the Mavericks have a weird home-road split. They are much better on the road than they are at home. They're only a couple games over five hundred at home. That's how most, teams, most good teams are on the road. In the 14 of their first 19 road games, they win. No, nobody wins at that clip, especially when your home clip is what it is. Any explanation for why they're flip-flopped? No, that is bizarre. Um, and I honestly didn't even know that. And, and traditionally, I think Dallas is one of those teams that has a real strong uh, home record, even in the, the down years that they've had recently before Doncic showed up. It always seemed like they were going to be competitive at home, so that's kind of a weird thing to to put a finger on and try to figure out what's going on. Um, I think that's a game that Utah should probably be okay in. Um, obviously, that it's just awful news what happened to Dwight Powell. He's been a really important part of their team, and it looks like he just tore his Achilles. Um, when he and Doncic are on the floor together, I, I looked this up in the wake of that injury, but they're point differential per 100 possessions was in like the 98th percentile when those two played. He was just such a nice compliment to Doncic, a great rim roller. He's even added a little bit of range this season. So I think that hurts them. It'll be really interesting to see how they use Porzingis now. Um, you know, I've always thought he would be best at the five uh, as sort of a playmaking stretch five, and, and it'll be interesting to see if they use him that way now. A, a staple of Rick Carlisle's offense over the years has been rim runners. Um, you know, Tyson Chandler was the guy when they won the title. Uh, Brandon Wright randomly had a couple amazing years there just because he was running that, that Mavericks offense. And then it's been Dwight Powell here lately. So it's it's obviously just terrible uh, for Dallas and for Dwight Powell. But Utah gets them um, at home without him. I, I think that's a game that they should probably take care of. Well, Andy, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. And we will uh, talk to you again later in the season. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Andy Bailey. You can read his work, Forbes.com and Bleacher Report.